Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Live and Learn with Daniel Floyd. For those of you that don't know me, I'm your host, Daniel. I'm a teacher and a family man, striving to be better every day through open-minded conversations. If this is your first time listening, thank you for joining us. I'd like to apologize for getting this episode uploaded so late. I've been quite sick lately, and I'm just now getting around to having a voice, letting alone being able to record a podcast intro. But nevertheless, we press on, and I am happy to introduce this episode to you. In this episode, I'm going to be talking with my wife about a new book that we've been reading together. The book is Habits of the Household, Practicing the Story of God in Everyday Family Rhythms. This is a book that was recommended to us by a friend, and after only reading the first few chapters, I can already tell that this book is going to be life-changing for me and Shalene, and I'm excited to share it with you. In this episode, we begin our discussion with some background on why Shalene and I have been so cognizant of our habits lately. I share a little bit about how my history with addiction has influenced my relationship with habits, and Shalene shares a little bit about her desire to establish healthy patterns in our family before we start raising kids together. We then get into a discussion about habits related to waking up and habits around sharing meals together. We unpack the idea that when we wake up in a physical sense, we're also waking up in a narrative sense. We are waking up to a story of reality, as it were. This story of reality represents our priorities and our perception of how we see ourselves in the world. Our story of reality needs to align with God's version of reality, and our habits have something to do with that. With regard to mealtimes, Shalene and I discussed the fact that meals have spiritual meaning, especially for us Christians. Meals are about communing, not consuming. In our families, our mealtime habits can foster relationship building or relationship atrophy. I personally am super excited to continue discussing this book in future episodes. What we've learned from this book has already begun to change our lives for the better, and I hope that you will be enriched by listening to the conversation yourself. I want to give a big thank you to everyone who is subscribed to the podcast. If you have not subscribed yourself, please consider doing so. We greatly appreciate everyone's support. Okay, thanks for tuning in, guys. Let's get into the episode. I like uh, having tea lately, and I feel like it's a nice habit to get into. I see what you did there. Yes. Welcome back, Shalene, to the podcast. Thanks. Okay. You are working on the tea bags right now. I am. Um, but yeah, I'm glad to have you back on. We need to discuss some things that are happening. It's been several episodes since you've been on, and... We got a good one today. Woot. At least I'm planning on it being good. So it better be. No pressure. (laughs) Yeah. Um, 
Man, I feel like there's been a lot happening with you and me since we last podcasted, which is good stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but we recently discovered this book that we are two chapters into. How many chapters is it total? I know not, my love. Oh, okay. So But there's a table of contents. I think it's like twelve. Okay, yeah. So we're we're making good progress. But what is this book, you might ask? Well, it is called Habits of the Household. What's the subtitle? Practicing the Story of God in Everyday Family Rhythms. And uh, it was kind of cool that we kind of stumbled across this book. Well, I guess you did through a friend recently. Mm -hmm. And it sort of fell in our lap. Shout out to Mandy for buying it for us and shipping it to me as a surprise. Yeah, thank you so much, Mandy. Um, This book has already been very much a blessing and... I anticipate it being very transformative for me and probably you too, Shaleen, for us mm-hmm. um, and our future family with kids and all of that. So our this household? is great. What? Yeah. Our, our household. household. Habits Whoa. of the household. Yeah. That's it's what the book is for. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I, I feel like I should give some backstory of why this is significant. Okay. And Go then for it. maybe we can get into what we've learned and what we think so far. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, I don't know how much of this I've shared on the podcast and I'm not going to get into all the details. Um, but I, I do have some history with addiction and while Shaleen obviously knows about that and that has just kind of been part of my story and Shaleen's story, obviously being married to me, um, that aspect of my life has kind of come up in the last couple of months in a new wave, not in terms of like um, relapsing or anything like that, but um, struggling with temptation and struggling with um, playing the game of like how close to the boundary can I get without getting in trouble kind of thing, mm-hmm. which is obviously a big issue and is a real problem. And so Shalene and I have had some serious, hard, but really, really good and helpful conversations over the last couple of months kind of regarding that aspect um, and that struggle that I've been in lately. Um, And so one thing that we are really looking at, I think, again, is our habits. Because when it comes to addiction, um, part of what facilitates addictive behaviors and getting into addiction and staying in addiction and just all of that stuff is having habits that facilitate those behaviors. And so getting into addiction is actually related to habits you already had or maybe good habits you didn't have. Um, And then as you struggle with addiction and if you're really in like really, really struggling with addiction, um, whatever type it is, there are habits that are peripheral to the addiction that facilitated. And so all of that to say, um, Shalene and I were meeting with um, some people that mentor us, some, some leaders from church, and one thing that Tony was talking to us about was our devotional life. Mm-hmm. And so he was saying like, okay, so like there's three important things. He was just kind of reviewing some stuff that we kind of already know of. Like it's helpful to be in a process, so whether that's a support group or um, a class that helps with addiction and brings education, that's really important for, um, for having victory over addiction. Being accountable to someone is a second really, really important thing mm-hmm. of 
complete transparency. Shalene needs to know what's going on in my life. I have mentors, other men that need to go know what's going on in my life. Um, and so there's that accountability and transparency aspect. But then in addition to that, there's devotional life of being in the word, being in prayer. And not only just me personally with my struggle, but us as a couple doing that together um, as a family, um, as a way to strengthen um, our marriage, our relationship, and our relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And so the reason I'm talking about this is something that you and I have been really trying to figure out and work on, which I've seen tremendous progress already in the last couple months, which I think is awesome, is trying to figure out how do we make a habit, a sustainable habit of spending time in the Word, time in prayer, time memorizing Scripture Mm -hmm. together. And so this is not a new topic that we've like never talked about as a married couple, obviously. No, but I do think this is the easiest it's been to talk about it and the most progress we've made in not only talking about it, but enacting change where it feels sustainable and already normal. Yeah. Like, I don't know, just the reading together and praying together in the morning and then again before bed, that's only been three weeks, but at the same time, it's already been three weeks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Goes and it, fast. yeah. And it is still like doable and actually life giving where before I feel like when we've tried things, it's been, I don't know, just like pulling teeth. Yeah. And there is some aspect of that to developing a new habit, right? There's always friction and, sure. and the resistance that you have to get over, but, but the, Things feel different now. I don't know. Well, yeah. And what I'm thinking, I think that they are different now in that like we came to a place of really difficult conversations and a place of like, I don't know, desperation, if you will, of like, no, like something has to change. So we are changing it. Like we're done. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. The old habits have to go. Or the lack of good habits has to stop. Yeah, I think a lot of the bad habits had stopped, but it was then just like this vacuum of neutral habits because, I don't know, this book talks about, as we'll get into, that everyone has habits, whether they're good, bad, or just you don't even realize they're there. You default to whatever the cultural norm is. You have habits. And so we had hit a place where just the like neutral default habits we're no bueno anymore. Like we needed to do more and like intentionally push for like good, righteous, like inviting the Lord into our home habits. Yes. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. And so we have found a lot of success lately in going through, I'll just call it a devotional book for the, for a lack of a better term, a book that is Psalms going through the book of Psalms in 30 days but it's not only Psalms every day, um, three times a day, but it's prayers mm-hmm. and um, confessions of faith, confessions of sin, mm-hmm. um, kind of little catechism sort of statements, but also like liturgical um, things to pray through and to think through in addition to the Psalms. Yeah, it's a really awesome resource. Um, yeah, and it'd be cool if you could link it in the show notes okay. just if people want to check it out. Do you know what it's officially called? Psalms in 30 Days. Okay. And it's a beautiful green By kind Trevin of... Trevin Wax. 
Travis Wax, it's definitely Wax. Okay. <laughs> the guy, not the book. Yeah. Sorry, bad joke. Okay, moving on. <laughs> um, anyway, um, so, so yeah. So, that's, so anyway, so I'm giving all this backstory because we've been really trying to f- figure out habits. And part of something I'm doing is like a complete social media detox, mm-hmm. a complete YouTube detox, um, watching... I mean, we weren't. We don't watch a lot of Netflix and shows, but watch watching even less Netflix yeah. and TV than we already were. Well, and I think that one is explained by yes, watching less, but more the focus there is reading more. Yes, and then that's the other thing: trying to develop habits of reading books about education because I'm trying to learn about that. I'm listening to audio books. Um, I've pulled back from jujitsu. Mm-hmm. because that was a big time suck and I still love jujitsu and I don't want to give it up forever, but it was, it was out of balance with other things that are more important. I mean, namely our marriage and focusing on that, obviously. Woo! <laughs> um, but just other things, um, yeah, like reading and um, going to um, Bible classes at our church and stuff like that. And so mm-hmm. we're just we're just in a season of transition and kind of transformation. Mm-hmm. And right in the middle of this, this book kind of falls in our lap. Yeah, which I mean is not a complete coincidence because I was talking with Mandy about our life and our transitions and like the things that we're looking to develop better habits and like more questions of how are we pursuing righteousness in our day-to-day life with one another. and And so... But yes, yeah. so it's a great book. And so, yeah, so this book is really cool because it's basically um, just several chapters on different habits that can help us develop, um, I I don't know how else to say it, mindfulness towards God Mm -hmm. in everything we do, down to how do you get up out of bed every morning? Mm-hmm. How do you have meals with your family? Mm-hmm. How do you ride in the car with your family? Mm-hmm. And we haven't read the whole book, but it's 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 kind of organized from the first chapter is about waking up, and then the last chapter is about going to bed, and then there's all these chapters in the middle of things you do throughout the day. Right. And so it's just talking about how we can intentionally develop habits that are not just good from like a scientific or psychological perspective, but good from a spiritual perspective in how we can honor God and bring our minds and our hearts and our souls back to Jesus through the simple things that we do and just how we live our lives. Right. And I love the idea, like, oh, I wish we would have underlined some good quotes to pull here. Um, But just a big focus of this book is that it's not about the legalism of doing the thing. You cannot earn God's love by doing any of the things. You already have God's love. Yeah, and we're not more Christian by trying to do these things. Right. Habits. However, the idea of like, but we can do these things because our habits shape us. Mm-hmm. Whether they're good habits, bad habits, neutral habits, like we talked about earlier, they shape us. And so if we practice these exercises of communing with God, even in the times where you're not feeling it, you're still practicing, those practices shape you yeah. over time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've just already really loved that. And it is cool because he does also talk about the psychology of it and talk about different resources backing up his stuff. But it's really cool because he he shifts perspective a little bit and looks through the lens of ugh, liturgy. 
and like what does this mean as we look at God and how he is shaping us through these practices. Yeah, and that's a phrase that he literally uses, the liturgical lens. Yeah. And so yeah. he 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 spent some time talking about how can we view our life as an avenue for worship unto God um, in everything that we do. Yeah. And so this is it, and this and this just reminds me of Deuteronomy, mm-hmm. where God yeah. is or Moses, God through Moses, whatever, speaking to the Israelites, <laughs> um, <laughs> and and what it says in Deuteronomy six five, it says, "You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart." all your soul, and all your might. These words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And so this this passage here out of the Bible is talking about how because we love God, mm-hmm. everything we do and talk about should be influenced by our love for God. And that's something he talks about in the book, too, um, that there's this these ideas of rules for life or rules yes. of life, which sounds like Jordan Peterson. For, for anyone who knows Jordan Peterson, he's got two books um, about patterns for your life that are good for you. Mm-hmm. And so, and it, apparently Jordan Peterson did not invent that phrase. I kind of thought he he did, but um, this guy in our habits book says like, oh no, that's that's a phrase that goes forever. Um, and he talks about these rules of life being a school of love, mm-hmm. which ties into what we just read from Deuteronomy, where it says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and might. And so the reason that we want to develop habits is because we love God Mm-hmm. And we we love living life his way. Yeah. And so and 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 my mind always goes to Psalm 19, mm-hmm. the the second half of of that chapter where it's talking about how amazing and how good God's laws are, his commands are mm-hmm. life-giving and making wise the simple and all of these phrases of God's commands and God's way of living is wonderful. Mm-hmm. And it's so amazing and it's so good for us and I just can't wait to continue living that lifestyle more to be desired than gold yay than much fine gold sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb yeah yeah and so that is the attitude that i think is in our hearts Mm -hmm. that's the attitude i want to be in our hearts and and that's the attitude that the author writes this is encouraging the reader to have so it's not like oh my gosh i gotta like do all these things and follow all these rules because I guess I'm a Christian and uh, like, it's not supposed to be a drag. It's supposed to be, no, I'm already saved. I already love God. How can I have more of this? Yes. And that's the heart that it comes from. But I think what's cool is that it works both ways too. How so? That that's the heart that you want to establish it out of, but that the practice then is what will carry you through the days where you're not feeling that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that is the heart that establishes the practice, but then that practice continues and shapes us on the days where our emotions are not with it. Yeah. Um, And it shapes our heart. I don't know. Go ahead. Yeah. You're kind of also speaking to conversations you and I have had about one of my weaknesses Hmm. is that I want to, I want to put more value on, I understand what it means to love God and I love God with my brain but I don't want to actually do anything different with my lifestyle about it. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And so you might call that Gnosticism, where I'm valuing the abstract and the metaphysical ideas about loving God and obeying Him. Right. But I'm kind of lazy when it comes to like, well, or slow when it comes to changing my actual lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And 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 there's you know I'm not the only one who struggles with this, but but that's something that I struggle with personally. And so I think. I'm just reminded as you're saying of like, yes, we want to start these habits out of like a joy and and a love for that. But then there's also the other side of like, well, if you don't want to start the habits or if you don't feel love, um, the biblical paradigm about that is you obey first and love it later. Yeah. Your heart changes as you obey. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy because in our culture, it's like, nah, do what you feel. If you don't feel it, don't do it. And actually, that's really not... And I was listening to a Bema podcast about this too, how in Eastern thinking, like even the passage, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your might, like all of that, we think about our heart being like our emotions or the center of our will or just these things. And he was talking in a episode about how that's so a Western perspective of that. Like an Eastern perspective, the Jews read that and knew that it was practice. Mm. It was not emotion. Hmm. It was, no, we love the Lord our God with all of our heart is like... I'm supposed to do something. Yeah, it's our being, it's our doing, it's our practice. Hmm. And that sustains us and carries us regardless of how we might feel because that's not what we focus on. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and so... um, Anyway, all of this to say, like, this (laughs) this is where we've been personally with regard to this topic and um this is kind of our mindset and where our hearts are getting into this book yeah well and it's also interesting um because this is called habits of the household like it is very much directed toward families with children sure um and so part of me as i read this is kind of chuckling because i'm like well we're not there yet right um like William is with Jesus. He's got all the best habits. Um, <laughs> and But at the same time, it's really cool to think about even now. And uh, Justin Early, the author, talks about one of his reasons for writing this book is that like parents need to be parented by God. Mm-hmm. Like he talks about how children become what they see in their parents. Yeah parents need to be walking with the Lord so that they become what they see there. So that as parents pattern the Lord and children pattern parents, children are following the Lord. He says it so much more eloquently, but I didn't mark it. Yeah. We should have underlined it. We were reading in the car. Yeah. Shalene was, I was driving. I was focused on the road. All right. Focus here. (laughs) Anyway, but um, it's just a really beautiful thing. And it's just really encouraging to me that like, though we do not have children here on this earth yet to be raising, our task is the same. Mm -hmm. Our task is to run after Jesus. And the more that we practice that, the more it will benefit our household and our children right. when, if, when the Lord gives them to us, yeah, that it doesn't change just because we don't have children yet, because right. the task is always to run after the Lord and to be parented by him. Right. There's a phrase that I did um, write down at one point in my notes here. It says, um, 
where is it? It says, God, please parent me so I can parent them. Yes. And so that's uh, that's kind of an idea um, in this book. Yeah. You. So it's like we are becoming our habits and our kids are becoming us. Yeah. So we better have good habits um, if we want our kids to um, become something good. So. Yeah. Sorry, I am trying to find that quote, but keep talking because I should probably just move on. Okay. <laughs> well, I want to start um, talking about waking up. Oh, okay. If you're good to jump in there. Okay. Yes. Just side note, listeners, get this book because even the intro is so good. <laughs> like the intro is like 20 pages long and so far it's my favorite part of the book. Yeah. So yes, we can move on in our conversation. Just know, go read it. It's really, really good. Yeah. And and the nice thing about the book is you don't have to read it all the way through. Each chapter stands alone. Yes. So you can just buy it and then it's like, well, I want to work on this part of my day. And and then you can be just like skip to that chapter and read that part. Mm-hmm. So, well, which yeah. is something else that he writes in. It's a two part intro. That's dedication. <laughs> and so in the part that's like how to read this book, he's very much like, please, it is the greatest honor to me if you if this book gets dirty, like if you pick it up while like you're feeding your while kids. you're nursing a child and like getting them to go back to sleep and then it goes in the diaper bag and travels with you and you grab a you read a few pages from the sidelines of the soccer game while your kids on the bench like and like just the fact that this book is made, he wrote it with the intent of like being part of your messy life. Yeah. And that it's not a sit down binge it all and then be like, I'm going to change the world. But it's like, no, it travels with you. It gets incorporated. It like you bring in pieces as you're able. So yes. A field guide of sorts. Yeah. Of sorts. All right. Yeah. Um, one thing that really stood out to me, um, when he's talking about habits of waking up, Mm -hmm. um, he, he started with a little story of his son waking up in the middle of the night scared because there's a monster in the, in the closet. Yeah. And it was really interesting. I kind of, I don't remember all the details of what he was saying in the book, but he was talking about how when you wake up, there's something you're basic, like the first thing you do or the first thing you're thinking is like, you're telling yourself a story of reality. Yeah, you're reorienting yourself in reality. Okay. And because you've been unconscious. Right. And that's what I thought was so cool just off the bat with this chapter was I'm like, habits of waking up. Oh, okay, we're gonna get up early in the like I was thinking like early bird gets the worm, like get up two hours earlier. And he literally opens the chapter with like, that's not what I'm going to say <laughs> because parents are people who get some of the least sleep ever. So I'm not gonna tell you to be getting up two hours earlier. Like And he takes it instead and says, no, like we need to wake up. And this idea of reorienting ourselves in reality and then taking it further, telling the story of his son's dream and and how that dream was like a nightmare and how he cared for him. Go for it. Well, yeah. And so like his son woke up and the reality that he that his three year old son was in was that there's a monster and I'm unsafe. Right. That's what he was believing. Right. Yeah. And and then and the the author was saying that it's not a logical problem that his kid was experiencing of like if you just logically be like, Oh, there's no monster, like no 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 like look, let's logically rationalize and explain how this works. It's mm-hmm. there's something deeper that's narrative based and emotion based mm-hmm. in his child that he has to address. And as a side note, I really liked this um phrase that he said. He said, A child in crisis 
must feel love before he can talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I think that you could probably apply that to a bazillion things, and that applies to adults too. But anyway, he was just talking about how even as adults, mm-hmm. maybe we don't wake up crying because there's a monster in our closet, but maybe we wake up going, man, I got a lot to do today, and um, I got to do this and this, and I'm already late, and I'm I'm frantic, and I'm rushed, and I need to do da 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 That is a narrative of reality. Right. Or maybe waking up and, you know, you feel, I don't know. I don't know what other, I mean, that's the classic one is I'm rushed and I'm late or something like that. Or that might, is that the classic one for you? I guess. I don't know. Or for, for many people that that's just a very American thing is like, we're just rushed and always in a hurry. Cause I think another one could be like, I'm exhausted and I just don't have enough for the day. And like, Oh, it's already time to get up again. Like, I'm just sad about that. And like, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Not, well, not good, but you know what I mean? Sure. <laughs> um, so yeah, but he, he just opens up with when you wake up, you, you, and, and so yes, there's, there can be like the first wave of like what you think and feel the first, the moment you get up. But then there's also a level of intention mm-hmm. where we can tell ourselves mm-hmm. or facilitate narratives of reality with our habits in Mm -hmm. how we wake up Mm -hmm. so if the first thing you do is grab your phone and look at all your emails and all the stuff you have to do you are facilitating a narrative of i got things to do and i gotta move yeah or if you grab your phone and turn on the news the narrative of reality is the world is chaotic and probably bad you know like Mm -hmm. like that or you get up and whatever you know whatever you grab or whatever you do um, or you grab your phone and you get on social media. If that's the first thing you do, you're telling yourself um, probably reality of comparison and you and we don't measure up, you know, whatever or whatever's on your social media. And so he is encouraging us to the as a Christian, mm-hmm. what then is the reality that we should be telling ourselves? Because there are multiple quote unquote realities that we can perceive. Mm-hmm. But our perception of reality is not always actual objective reality. Mm-hmm. Just like the little boy who was scared of the monster, his perception of reality didn't match up. And so then as adults, are we going to give in to mm-hmm. a narrative of reality that is false or skewed? Or are we going to grab a hold of God's reality? And that's the key. And we've had conversations about this, about God's reality, because... Someone could argue, what do you mean? I am super busy. I do have a work deadline that I'm going to get crushed by. Like, I am exhausted. I slept two hours last night. Like, these are reality. What are you talking about? And I think that's the rub that you run into of like, okay, but that's kind of what faith is, Hmm. is choosing to believe and walk in God's reality of like, God is sovereign over all of my work deadlines. He is in control of all of that. He gives me his peace. He promises me that peace. He gives me his rest. He gives me his strength so I can make it through an exhausted day. Yeah. And so like that, that is faith. And that yeah. is required. Like faith is required to believe God's reality. Yeah. Because otherwise, sure, whatever. The world would tell you that is real, that you're going to like miss your deadline. Okay. So what? A higher reality is that God's in charge. Mm-hmm. And so orienting ourselves to that, like what he says and what we have faith in, 
Yeah. Yeah. Is important. I'm reminded of Jesus sleeping on the boat in the storm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like, yes, there was a literal storm. Yep. And the disciples probably knew what they were talking about when they were saying, like, we're going to sink. Yeah, like, they, they were, were fishermen, yeah, a few of them at least. Yeah, they're pros. Like, they know they know boats and lakes and storms. But Jesus is sleeping. And one of the aspects of that story is that Jesus wakes up, and he's not freaking out. And he says, oh, ye of little faith. Yeah. And he says, calm, be still, and the storm stops. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a picture. Mm-hmm. Of how, yes, there, there, there is our immediate circumstantial reality. Mm-hmm. And we're not trying to say that that doesn't exist. Right. Or that you're paranoid or, yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, God's sovereignty mm-hmm. and God's identity and God's nature and God's character always supersedes our circumstances mm-hmm. objectively. And we can go along with that or we cannot go along with that. Right. And so and so even in a storm that is literally happening, we can focus our attention on that or we can focus our attention on God's truth, God's character, who God is. Yeah. Yeah. A little side note, because you didn't finish how the story with his son happened. And it just struck me because as a parent, I don't think I would have thought to do this. And it was just so cool and made me think about how the Lord handles us. Okay. Of like. In that story with his son, he goes in, he tells him, there's no monster. Like, look, look under the bed, look in the closet. There's no monster. His son is still not buying it. And so you mentioned like the idea of narrative. So instead of just being like, just believe me, go back to sleep. Because that's, I mean, at that point, that's all I got, you know? I'm like, there's no monster. Go to bed. Yeah. Like, I love you so much. Jesus is watching over us. Like, I would try that one. (laughs) <laughs> which is true but that's all but then in in his story he went further and he was just like don't you know even if there was a monster that i would protect you hmm. as your dad i would protect you i would take him by the tail i'd swing him around and throw him out the window and like he got his little boy to giggle about it and he was like because don't you know that i love you and that if there was a monster i would protect you and that just really struck me because God and I have those conversations a lot of times. Hmm. God doesn't just say, stop freaking out. It's going to be fine. (laughs) Like, there's no big deal. Get over it. Yeah. He says to me, even if there is this catastrophe you're foreseeing, Hmm. don't you know I'm your father and I'm going to take care of you? Yeah. Don't you know that I can like meet you in that? So like, I just thought that that ending of that story even was really beautiful and applicable of just that idea of the narrative that like it's a conversation and I want to have those conversations with my kids as I have those conversations with the Lord. Yeah. And it was cool how the dad responded to the son's narrative with a, a better narrative. Right. He didn't respond with rationale or maybe he started to, but what worked is giving him a higher narrative. Yeah. Which is reality. Um, Yeah. And there's a whole can of worms you can go into of like how humans, we perceive the world through narrative. Mm -hmm. We see ourselves as a character in a story. And so down at our very core, we are um, homo narrans, right? Is that weird technical term of like we're storytellers. And so narrative is what resonates with us. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't necessarily want to... rehash everything he says because people can go get the book themselves yeah it's super practical um yeah we've, we're camping out on the like 
theoretical stuff, but the practical things like he gives three habits yeah. that can be really helpful. So the first one is say a prayer when you get out of bed. Kneel. And kneel. Kneel and say a prayer. And there's and because the physical action of getting your body to do something changes your change. brain. Like, yeah. Yeah. Kneel. Say a prayer by your bed. Yeah. Um, he talks about one that I, I want to start working on is making a habit of um, consuming scripture yeah. before I consume a screen. Mm-hmm. So staying off my phone until I've had some sort of Bible time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he talks about how he's like, you should get a paper Bible. And he's like, and if you really have to use your phone, then it was funny. He said, use the the voice command to open the app so you don't get distracted as you scroll over to the app. I was like, that's a good idea. I don't even he knows think what's up. Yeah, he he lives in the 21st century. Yeah. Um, and then was the other one? Practice a short moment of gathering and sending the family. Oh, okay. Yeah, I forgot that was part of waking up. So gathering. Which we do that at this point just with the two of us. We're like, we always like whatever's happening, we stop. And give each other a kiss and mm. like say our goodbyes. But before I go out to work or something. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. That's, uh, I didn't think about that. Yeah. But as it expands, like with children, that'll be the same thing. Yeah. Like we're all gonna pause and be like, okay, dad's gonna go to work now. Like give hugs and kisses. And then I love the idea of like praying together. Yeah. As we go. Yeah. But yeah. So yeah, three simple things. And he talks about how to do it well and, you know, how it, you know, all of that stuff. But yeah, just like three habits that, where we can take control of the narrative that we are telling ourselves and the narrative that we are ingraining into our minds and, and into our hearts. And I can only imagine that as we do these things, you you start to gain momentum. Yeah. So that instead of waking up frantic and being like, oh, I got to really read or waking up exhausted and being like, man, I got to really direct myself toward a healthy habit. I imagine you start waking up in more a more serene place where it's like, Oh no, my mind is already ready for the morning prayer or I'm looking for my Bible, that kind of thing. Well, I'm just thinking of how I've really enjoyed already with our habit that we've had in the morning of getting up and like reading scripture together and praying together because the mornings where I actually take time to be with the Lord and like structure and schedule my wake up accordingly are the mornings where like, I feel like I can breathe before work yeah otherwise it's just like go 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 get ready get ready okay all right out the door here we go and running yeah like but i love even though we're getting up earlier i feel more alive because we have a minute to just sit and be and talk with the lord and with each other before we then transition into doing the things but then all of the things feel more peaceful yeah so even in that, yeah, I'm already seeing that. I've also noticed for me personally, and I feel like I'm doing the book backwards now because in or I I have found over the last few weeks that in order to effectively wake up and be able to read out loud from a book, which is like the complete opposite of what I naturally want to do. Daniel's not a morning person. I just yeah, I'm I'm not. I am a morning person. I'm a 9 a.m. get up time. That's <laughs> so, not a morning person. Yeah, that's a joke. Bad joke. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> I'm a late morning person. So yeah, 6 a.m. is like, that takes discipline and a lot of work for me. Yeah. Um, But what I found is like, in order to do that effectively, I need to be like really, really serious about bedtime. Mm -hmm. So waking up for me starts 8, 9, whatever, well, 12, you know, even in the evening of 
okay, well, before bedtime, it's like, well, I need to get ready for bed. Like, like getting up at 6 a.m., the preparation for that starts at like 8 p.m. Well, dinner. Yeah. But it's like, when am I going to eat? When am I going to do evening activities? When am I going to make sure I need to get those evening activities done in the early afternoon so I'm not doing them at 8.30 p.m. and then rushing? Like it trickles all into the previous day. Yes. Um, And, you know, I made a commitment like we're going to go through this book together. And so like I really, really got to like follow through with that. And I've, I feel like I've been doing better and we've been doing better at getting to bed on time. And it's like amazing. Mm-hmm. It's like we get up and I'm more rested. Mm-hmm. And then... You still crack me up though in the mornings though. You do, you're doing a great job, but it just... Yeah, it's not perfect. It's so sweet though, because the difference between your reading voice and my reading voice in the morning yeah. just like cracks me up. Like you're, you're just like reading the chapter like this. And it's just really soft and like definitely 6.30 in the morning. And I'm like, okay, it's 6.30 in the morning. We're alive. We might as well act like it. Like da 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 Like, please turn on the lights. Like, let's do the things. And Daniel's like, just keep the evening mode on. Like. And like, let me just come to the day as I can. <laughs> Yes, I do. I can. Yeah. And like yeah. we're reading Psalms and it says like, shout to the Lord. Shaleen's like, shout to the Lord. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, oh my gosh, she is really going for it. Yeah. At 630 in the morning. So wait, <laughs> does that annoy you? Uh, a teeny bit. That's funny. But I dare not tell you to like, please don't read the Bible enthusiastically. Like, well, I'm not about to say that. Because it's funny because, okay, so that annoys you. But then what annoys me is then, yeah, in those same moments where it's shout to the Lord, you go, shout to the Lord. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, all right. Mr. Monotone, I'm in charge of the family story time, apparently, because you got to have some voices and (laughs) some enthusiasm. The dramatic irony is not appreciated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But anyway, but yeah, so waking up well starts with going to bed well. Yeah. Um, And I feel like I've improved a lot in that in the last few weeks. And, And then it affects my day. So instead of getting to class and getting to school to teach, exhausted and kind of low on patience it's like no i'm good to go Mm -hmm. i'm here to teach you guys look rough but (laughs) we're gonna talk about newton's laws today so here we go yeah and like i i'm a better teacher yeah because of that that's good um and so yeah it's cool Mm -hmm. yeah um still haven't fully like perfected the get out of bed at 6 a.m when the alarm goes off but if i look back over the last year the at the time like the average time that I'm getting out of bed is like moving back toward when the alarm goes off. So I'm hoping to continue the trend in that direction. I have just consciously changed my goal. Yeah, you get you don't bounce out of bed at six a.m. like you used to. No, because I have consciously consciously changed my goal to six twenty. So therefore, I now Snoo- bounce out of bed then snooze and bounce instead of just bounce. Yes, got it. But yeah, so anyway, but the next chapter of the book talks about mealtimes, which is cool. Yeah. Um, I actually do not remember the exact habits. Well, they're right here. Well, yes. But what I really liked about um, the meal, one thing is that meals have spiritual meaning. Yeah, yeah. And so as a Christian, and I probably should put together some notes on this, and I this is like you could probably like preach or teach about this of like oh yeah the biblical meaning of a meal um many people have yeah i'm sure it's already a thing i'd um, listen to you doing it though yeah well thank you mm-hmm. um but like obviously you've got like the last supper 
Mm-hmm. Like that is a hugely significant moment in biblical history and in Jesus's life and the disciples' life, and it's over a meal. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at Revelation, at the end of time, you know, when everything is um, accomplished or whatever, like there's a picture of a meal. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus' first miracle is at like a wedding feast hmm. with food. Yeah. Like several of Jesus' miracles are meals, like yeah. the multiplying of the bread and fishes. Yeah, and in Psalm 23, when it says, like, it doesn't just say, like, God is taking care of me. It says he, he, ah, what's the verb? Like, spreads a table or lays yeah. a table, prepares mm-hmm. a table yep. for me in the presence of my enemies. Mm-hmm. And so, like, there's, a, there's spiritual meaning to a meal. And so when we have meals, especially as Christians, I think a lot of people intuitively get this, Mm-hmm. And so when you talk about culture and like what was important for you growing up, like a ton of people will talk about mealtime and what they mm-hmm. ate and who they ate with mm-hmm. and stuff. I think it's inherently in us as humans because of God's design that meals have spiritual meaning. Mm-hmm. And what he talks about in the book is how meals are not for consuming, they're for communing mm-hmm. with each other mm-hmm. and building relationships yeah. So the first thing is you need to have a meal where you actually sit down and talk to each other. Yeah. So that, I don't know if that's like, the, I can't remember if that's the first habit, but, no, he, he, but he does say that. Like, step one, have the meal. No, that's not even a <laughs> habit that okay. he addresses. He's okay. like, that is the foundation of mealtime to then even build any habits on top of it. You need to have that to begin with. And he mentions like a ton of research, research excuse me, about like households who have mealtime like that is an indicator of academic success of social success like all these things da 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 da. secular research to be like mealtime es importante no yeah exactly um so even though it's less efficient to make everyone eat at the same time and like yeah we all have different bodies and stuff and like why don't we just eat what we want when we want? He mentioned the like, yeah, we could all just eat a freezer meal, yeah, microwave like microwave meal. it whenever each of us is hungry. And I was like imagining our five-year-old like going and getting <laughs> their freezer meal and just heating it up when they're hungry. And I was both so sad and mad simultaneously. I was like, what? Yeah. No. Because <laughs> before reading this book, we've already talked about how Shaleen's like, no, our kids, I want our... I want our six-month-old, our 12-month-old, our 18-month-old to eat meals with the family as family time. Yes. Because if that's the expectation when they're older, it should start when they're zero years old. Yeah. Well, and it's been something that you and I have worked on in our marriage. And in the last couple of months, we've come back around to readdressing of like, hey, we need to like intentionally look at mealtime. When are we going to eat together today? Even it needs to happen. We're both adults. We can both feed ourselves. Right. But that's we not the point. We are going to eat together. Right. Because there's something, there's a higher purpose here than just getting the calories you need. Right. And so, yes. And so, mm-hmm. yeah. Especially because I get off, I, I could be home and I am hungry enough. Like I could eat dinner at 4 p.m. And I have done that a couple of times in the yeah. last few weeks. Sad. And then you come home and don't even realize that's happened. And you're like getting ready for dinner. And I'm like, I already ate. And you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Cheater. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, sorry. And so, yeah, we had to talk about that. Yes, we did. <laughs> well, what's worse is when I wouldn't realize you have eaten. So I'm like putting it off. I'm like, oh, okay. So we can eat after we do this thing oh, so that we can yeah. get together. And then I'm not eating until like 830 because I didn't realize you've already eaten. And then we have our evening activity that... Yeah. Yeah, so that was bad. Anyway, we figured that out. It's good. So... Yeah. But anyway, um, 
Yes, and that's not to say you can never eat in the car fast food or like you can never eat on the run. Like it's he's not saying you should never do that, but the norm, the default expectation mm-hmm. should be we have a meal together yes. at the same time. And in the practical part of the habits at the end, like he has a gra- uh, chart at the end of each chapter just to be like, here are the practical details. Um, he does mention that even if it can't be every night, it is ideal to do it. Well, not even ideal. It is just good to do it multiple nights a week. It doesn't have to be every night because that just really may not do- be doable. But it really should be multiple nights. If you can, you should. Yeah. Yeah. Which is what you just said. Sorry, the default. No, no you're but, fine. Yeah. 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 So anyway, um, yeah, they have a cool habit. The fam the guy in the book, he talks about how they light a candle mm-hmm. and they say and they light the candle. Is it b- like before they eat? Yeah. I guess? As they sit down, they light the candle. And, and they that, say Christ is light. Yeah. And so it's just a physical, mm-hmm. practical way of drawing our attention and our love yeah. back to God even in this mealtime. He's also a really fun author. Like he just is very real. And so he talks about how like kids love fire. So immediately you have like all their attention because fire. And then he also talks about how mealtime is like crazy. And he goes through the meal from a practical lens. This is what's happening. And this is all you could see. But now let's look at it from the liturgical lens and like peels back another layer. But as he's talking about it, I'm just imagining like a meal with John and Bethany and the kids. Like they have six kids and like, yeah, some of those mealtimes are just like insane. But like what liturgies are we establishing there? Anyway, my point here is I just thought it was funny. I'm like, you guys light a candle in the middle of your table. And the author has four young boys. Yeah. So that's what he's I'm coming like, from. I'm like, how does nothing catch on fire? Or like, <laughs> and I was picturing in my brain like a tapered candle, you know, like the big tall ones. That's what I'm imagining. That you can whack over really easily. Yeah. And... Anyway, so maybe it could be on a side table or I don't know. But just practically, I'm like, oh, that seems dangerous. But it's a cool idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The second habit, unless you've got a thought. Oh, I did and I lost it. So go ahead. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. So they light the candle and say Christ is light. And then the other habit that he mentions two other habits. So the second one is the conversation habits for the table and learning how to, again, in the family context, how to invite your children into conversation and like ask questions that don't just prompt a yes or no, but like prompt an actual response. How'd your day go? Yeah. What'd you learn today at school? Yeah. Who'd you play with? What made you mad? Like random things. Sure. Um, giving, and then, giving your four-year-old access yeah. to these habits. Well, and also the idea, <laughs> the idea that you talk together um, he, he said like, there's a rule about it. He said it in some sort of rule, but just the idea that like, you don't all wait your turn to say your own thing. You all like someone says something and you all go together with that person to talk about that thing. Yeah. Until it's We're all done. having the same conversation. Yes. We're not having multiple side conversations. Yeah. And, and we respond to what someone else said. Yes. To continue their contribution or continue the conversation together. Yeah, which might seem somewhat elementary, but... To you. You're smirking because this is one of the major cultural differences between Shaleen's uh, home family and my home family of where I was brought up. Um, And you just don't even realize it until you get married to someone who's different. 
Um, I guess I realized it in college. I had friends that were different. I was like, whoa, this is weird. But like my family has a habit. Oh my gosh. Of, and I think it's fine, but Shaleen's like, ah. No. no. Um, our family has a habit of like, we all want to say things and we do, we do a good job of taking turns. Yeah. Um, and all of our, all of us kids are, are adults now, but like we say things and then the next person will be like, oh, that's cool. And then like, but here's what I also want to say. And then they start a new conversation and then someone else, you know, we might talk about it for a little bit and then someone else is like, that's cool, but I want to share this with everyone. And so it's like, everyone is kind of giving a two minute Ted talk yeah. in sequence Yeah, and we're not really having a conversation. You're not where- interested in each other's Ted talk. Yeah. You're just interested in getting to being able to share your TED Talk. Yeah. Yeah. And then the worst, the, another one that's probably not great is where a topic happens where three out of six of us or four or five out of six of us are really interested. Yeah. And one, two, or three people are kind of left out and they never engage. And they just give up. And they just give up and watch while three or four or five other people have this really engrossing conversation for 45 minutes. Yeah. And not everyone is connecting and communing. Right. And so, I mean, I kind of just grew up with that. But now that we're looking, well, first of all, like, yeah. And I realized that that was not great in college. And I had friends that, like, we all talked and were the whole table was part of one conversation. Right. And, like, I, that was kind of a shocker for me because it was like, oh, <laughs> this sounds bad. The unfiltered way is just like, oh, I need to like listen and care and pay attention to what other people Imagine are saying. Imagine that. Yeah. Wow, what a social skill. Yeah, I know. I'm making myself sound like a you. real jerk I'm right sorry. now. But like, that's the hyperbolic way of saying it. Yeah. Of like, oh, like there's, I need to be more selfless. Yeah. Well, but it's a training piece too of like, okay, so if someone isn't on board with the conversation, you either one, give them on ramps to be on board. Right. Or change the topic if it's really not going to happen yeah or just like have the conversation but don't have the 30 minute version of the conversation yeah wrap it up and then invite someone else in because the purpose is communing is communing and building relationship it's not exchanging information right which i think is what us floyds like to do we want to exchange information it's like i want to tell you this information that i think is really cool and then you know and we're just like yeah beaming information waves across the table and it's like we're not really focused on building relationships yeah which is very different from Shaleen's family mm-hmm. you guys probably had this habit better growing up yeah we always would hear about dad's day which is also I thought it was interesting that he made the note in the book that parents should practice telling short stories about their day hmm. to be an example to their child of like how to start doing that and teaching them how to give a narrative of their life and like recap that because it makes cool. sense that like yeah a three-year-old might not be able to tell you about their day but if dad tells the little story of how he had to go up on the roof to reactivate the air conditioner i'm just thinking of a story john told one night at dinner like it was a two-minute story of like yeah i climbed up the ladder on the roof and flipped a switch and called the guy you know it was just a short story but it was this was dad's day yeah, and you're modeling for your kids. Yeah. Probably multiple things of like what is appropriate to share. Yes. How long is it appropriate yes. to share? You don't go on a exactly 10-minute uh, dissertation on every little thing you did and like how to tell interesting stories, and assuming the parents are good at that. But hopefully the parents are better at that at least. 
than the kids. Than the kids. And so, yeah, I forgot that part. Yeah. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of room to grow for me personally in this area. Um, and I've already grown a lot in the, the last several years. Um, I just know it'll be funny mm-hmm. when we have gatherings at my house because Shalene and I are going to be thinking this like under the radar of like, mm-hmm, how can we subvert this conversation? Oh, I've been doing this since day one, my yeah, love. I know. I know. <laughs> and, I, and I will say I have two at some level, but yeah. now it's just going to be like painfully obvious of like, we read a book about this. Yep. And like, we are going to like try to model and influence different habits for my family. And so yeah. I don't know. But, you know, they're all adults, so they can do whatever they want. But yeah. it'll just it'll, it'll just be funny. Yeah. So Yeah. So that was the, the conversation habits was just the whole second habit, if you will. And then the third habit was the habit of hospitality. Yeah. Which I thought was so cool. And also, ooh, ooh, that reminds me of overall, kind of back to the intro idea, was that the whole point of like having habits or part of the point, not the whole point is that like your family culture is not just something that you like incubate and keep in your home and like your kids know it's like what is the norm like the way he said to think about what are your habits and what are your routines and your culture is like what are you inviting people into when they come into your home Mm. like what are you inviting them into what's different what is your flow what are they being invited into and then what are you taking out as you go out what are you bringing to a friend group gathering like yeah so so if you answer the question what are you inviting people into when they come to your home yeah and what are what are the things that go out into other families the answer to that question is that defines what your family culture is those are yeah that's your culture and that's what habits Build. are yeah is your culture yeah yeah because your, your, is your the culture habits. is like your norm right It's not the special things you do. Right. It's It's the the normal. It's the ordinary. It's the boring. Yeah. And so I just thought of this with hospitality because he was suggesting that you should have the habit of hospitality, that your your table is not just for you. Your family is not for you. And that's one reason he called the book Habits of the Household and not the house or the family, because your household is larger than your house or your family. Your blood family. Yeah. Like, and he, or the people that sleep there at night. Yes. And he talks about like biblically, like he talked about that of how people were invited in and it included like in the old Testament, it included their slaves and their workers and their, like that was their household and it included visitors. It included other people. Right. And so this habit of communing and meals together and conversation pulls in other people like who's part of your household like you can have random people but he also really encouraged like have some regular people yeah. who are part of your household maybe single people that hang out with your family yeah or members of your church or members of your community that are regulars in your yeah. home like a standing once a week date like i thought so much about my time living with john and bethany and how like once a week i cooked for, this is when you were single. Yeah. Yeah. I cooked for them and the six kids. So nine people total for dinner. And like that was at least one night where in the craziness of my single schedule, I was at least home that night. Yeah. And had dinner with them. Yeah. And like they invited me fully and many other aspects too, but into their family life and like what the norm is here and what's established. And I think now in 
our lives. We do this with Nate and Larissa all the time where we just do life together, where we have at least once a week where we share a meal, we do life and we've already established like, what are our habits for that? Like we have traditions of like, Oh, and so it's easy because this is just what we normally do. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, we don't have to go too deep into this, but I really like how he distinguished entertaining guests yes. versus showing hospitality to guests. Yes. And how he, he, the short version just being hospitality is opening the door and letting them come in. Into the mess. Into the mess and into the normal. Yes. Um, whereas entertaining is I clean the house, I make a special meal, I make it, uh, make it fancy, mm-hmm. and it's all about the guest. Yes. And trying to m- help them have a good time. Yes. Which is not wrong, but like... It's different. It's different, and it's a way different thing to consider doing than, hey, we're having spaghetti and meatballs tonight. You want to come over and be part of the family, and we're just going to talk, and you're welcome. The door is open. Yeah. That's different than entertaining. There's definitely a place for entertaining, but I will just admit that I am fully biased toward the hospitality, as he defines in the book, Yeah, because of the relational difference, too. Like entertaining can be good to like honor someone or for a special event or, or for like a big party. Well, like Larissa had her birthday. Yes. And for her birthday, she put on. She entertained for her own birthday. Yeah. yeah, Which I've done that too. Excellent job. She put together a tea party. Yeah. And made snacks and desserts and tea and set the table. So good. It was amazing. Yeah. And it was with people that she knows and loves. Yes. And so there is a place for entertaining. Yes. But you cannot do that once a week or every day. Well, no. And a difference is, yeah, that's a great example. And that was so fun. But also, it was not as relational as just uh, when we come over and eat whatever's in the fridge on a Sunday night at their house. Because that wasn't the focus. The focus was like... This is Larissa's party. Yeah. And and the event yes. itself kind of was the focus. Yes. Like, oh, this is a wonderful tea party. And we're talking about yes. the tea party. Which and- was, was so beautiful. I'm totally not dissing that at all. I'm just saying there is a difference. And I think that's why I am biased toward the hospitality thing is that I would rather eat cheese sticks and applesauce, as we know, because it's been mentioned on this podcast, <laughs> and like talk to people than have a four course meal that was gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah, and and we have our biases, but ultimately both are important. Yeah. But but a habit should be hospitality. Mm-hmm. Inviting people in, letting pe- people be part of what you're doing. Um and entertaining when possible, but especially yeah. if you're parents with young kids, like there's only so much entertaining you can do to yeah. other guests. I just remember in high school Cause it was always a big deal that like if people came over to our house, like we had to clean super and like we didn't have people over a lot because it was mm. just a big deal yeah. and more like the entertainment mindset of like, we aren't, our home was never good enough for people to be in. Mm. Um, and I remember in high school, I went over to someone's house. We went and visited and stayed with them and there was like laundry in the corner and books and like kids lunches and life. <laughs> yeah. But like, I felt so at home Hmm. because they just welcomed me into it. And I remember that being like a distinctive day in my brain of like, wow, I feel so loved because we sat on the couch and talked about life and had real conversations and then like went and helped do this in the kitchen and then like did this thing, you know, like we just entered in. And that was the first time that I experienced hospitality in that sense and realized like, this is what I want. 
I want to do life with people no matter if it's messy because am I looking around going, oh my gosh, they didn't fold their laundry before I came over? No. I'm thinking, they let me come to their house. This is great. When they have laundry on the counter. <laughs> like, they let me come. Yeah. And like, because they care about me more than their laundry being put away. Yeah. And I don't know. It just meant so much to me. And yes, back to your point of just practically, it's way more doable. I would not have a friendship with Bethany Shipman if we waited until... <laughs> The house was clean. The house was clean and all the kids were asleep. It would not happen. Yeah. She has six children. It does not happen. The relationship building happens yeah. along the way. Yeah. Bethany was like, you can come over, but like during nap time and I'm going to be working on stuff, like you can help me clean the house if you want. And so, so many times when we were starting our friendship was me going over, sitting at the island while she's like cleaning up from lunch. And then like as our friendship developed, I legit did show up and we like cleaned the house together during nap time several times or yeah. just like that's real. Yeah. I don't know. That's cool. Getting very hyped about this. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> um, and this is something that we've done in seasons in our short marriage already. We've only been married yeah. three years, but we've like had friends that come over once a week. And I miss like, Madeline. Yeah and, yeah. and we've done that with some other people and it's really cool. Mm-hmm. And that's something I want to continue doing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And then, of course, there's the other side of like, you know, hospi- be hospitable, but, you know, and then I, my mom is very much like, well, but if you could get the laundry done and if you could clean, you should because that's a way to honor and welcome your guests. Like if everything is dirty and they can't sit down because there's so much junk everywhere, that's sure. also a problem. We're probably talking, you know, this ditch or this ditch or that extreme or that extreme. But, yes. But yeah, there is an aspect of like, yes, you should keep your home as you go, but whatever. I don't know. Just throwing that out there. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I'm excited for this book. I'm excited with what we've learned and discussed already. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is a book that we will actually finish and be able to discuss all the way through. Yeah. Um, Here's yeah. a question as we head toward closing. Yeah. Out of the six habits mentioned in the book, oh yeah, which would be your favorite to try to implement first? I mean, the one that's the most new that I want to work on is... Um, I, I can't think of the verb. Reading scripture, experiencing scripture, consuming scripture before I have a screen. Mm-hmm. And I tried that this morning or did that this morning. I noticed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, normally, because normally what I do is I do my memorization app mm. on my phone. And so that's kind of like, hmm. But I guess I could just do what he said where it's like open it with your voice and then don't do anything else. Mm-hmm. And so that's probably like the new one that I want to work on. And we do a good job of not, like, having phones right before bed. And Mm -hmm. for the most part, we stay off our phones in the morning. But, like, taking it to that next level, I think, would be extra helpful. Yeah. What about you? Um... I honestly... This is funny because you're the chef. But I honestly am uh, really wanting to establish, like more of the like weekly or monthly rhythm with particular people. Um, like you even mentioned maybe doing once a month, like with my, my family kind of thing. Oh yeah. Um, so the hospitality part. Yeah. Yeah. The hospitality part of like doing life. Cause we are, like I said, we are in some ways already doing that with me and Larissa. Um, but yeah. 
Yeah, and not like, oh, I just need to find some random person to bring into my house. But right. like, no, who are some people that I intentionally mm-hmm. want to regularly have over mm-hmm. and commune with mm-hmm. over a meal? Yeah. Yeah. And like still have a night open for all the random because that's really fun too. Yeah. But yeah. I like it. Yeah, I think that's, yep. Cool. Well, I'm excited to continue growing in this and discussing with this with you. So, Ditto. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for listening, everyone. Um, hopefully, you guys got something out of this. But uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Bye. Bye.